Our scripture reading today is taken from Mark 12, verse 28 through 34. This is the Lord's word. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that, he answered them well and asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. May the Lord bless us all in the reading of his holy word. We are approaching the end of the gospel of Mark, seeing Jesus's encounters with different people. Those who are sick, Jesus graciously healed. Those who are possessed with demons, Jesus lovingly cast out. Those who had questions, Jesus would answer. And those who opposed him, Jesus would confront. In each of these encounters, we see more of who Jesus is and the purpose of why he has come. Each and every story gives us an extra glimpse of who Jesus, the Messiah, truly is. We ourselves, as God's people, are also blessed by these interactions, for we see a glimpse of ourselves as well. Some of you who are sick, who are asking God, God, heal me. Those of us who are having trouble with everyday life, Jesus, be present with me. Those of you who have questions, when Jesus is here, to answer. And so in each and every one of these encounters, we see ourselves and we ask Jesus, Jesus, meet me here today. Show me who you are. In this passage, we see Jesus surrounded by scribes, the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders of the day, some have come to trap him, 
Some are just inquisitive and want to understand who this Jesus of Nazareth is. And so they pepper him with questions after questions after questions after questions. And Jesus answers each and every one of them skillfully in such a manner that the people are surprised by his wisdom. And they say to one another, surely this man who calls himself the son of man, who calls himself the one who will one day rule over all of the earth, this man must surely be the Messiah, something greater than the prophet. So this one scribe who was at, on the side was, was observing what was happening, and he sort of entered into the conversation. And he asked Jesus the simple question, which commandment is the most important of all? Now, all of us here who've grown up in the church or grown up in the United States of America, we know that there are 10 commandments. We find in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 6. And in the children's bulletin, I have a, a little section where I ask the kids to name the 10 commandments. And you may think that we need to look at the Ten Commandments and figure out which one is the most important. But the question is even a little bit more complicated than that. Because according to the Jewish people, in the Torah, the first five books in the Bible, there are actually 613 commandments, not 10. 613. So in Leviticus, when it says that you must bring a, an ox without blemish, that's a commandment. And they would categorize those in terms of commandments of, of commission, those things that you should do. And those commandments that are prohibitions, those which you should not do. And during that time, people would debate and rank which of these commandments are most important. Think about that. You've got 613 commandments. Children, imagine if your parents say to you, here are 200 laws that you need to follow in our house. How burdensome that would be for you. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of soccer, but I always thought that soccer was a simple game. I really did. Until I looked up on the internet, the rules of FIFA. The first thing I noticed, it's not called the rules of FIFA, it's called the laws of FIFA. That in itself makes the sport more scary than I thought it would be. The laws of soccer or football. And in that, this is what happens when you're. And as I was looking through the website, I counted. There are 133 pages of rules for soccer. And imagine if you told a kid, before you play soccer, you need to read these 133 pages about the rules of soccer. 
than you can play. No one would play soccer. In fact, everyone would run away from soccer. But we all know that simply the, the goal of soccer is put the ball in the net. That's it. Prevent the other team to put that ball in your net. If we could sum up all of soccer, that would be it. And we would say, this is the, the, the core, the heart of what it means to play that game. And so you could imagine the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the leaders of the day arguing about what is the greatest law. And you could see the people perhaps around them growing tiresome of trying to figure out what does it mean to worship God himself. So the scribe answers that question, and Jesus responds very simply, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Jesus responds with Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4, 5 is what we call the Shema. Shema is simply the Hebrew word for listen. Hear, O Israel, listen, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And this is a prayer that every Israelite person would know. They would literally write these on strips of paper and put them on their foreheads and walk around. because of how seminal and important this passage was. But Jesus does something a little bit more to that. He doesn't simply quote Genesis, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 6, about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. But he continues with Leviticus 19, 18. And he says, to love God, basically, is the same thing as loving one's neighbor, that these aren't two separate commandments. These are one commandment, to love God and to love one another. And the scribe says to Jesus, you answered correctly. Our God is one. We are to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And we are to love our neighbor as ourself. You see, to love God and to know God is not to follow rules, but it's to recognize the oneness of God, to know that he does not contradict himself, to know that there's no doubt in him, to know that he is just pure, all-loving. And to know that what flows from him is love. To love him and to love one another. Brothers and sisters, we as God's people 
understand that there are many things God wants us to do to obey him. But without love, you're simply a clanging symbol. Without love, you are simply a rule keeper. Without love, you are only a religious person. Now, why is this so important? First, to love requires the whole self. Love the Lord your God all your heart, soul, and mind. Love is not simply about a decision, although it includes a decision. Love is more than just feelings, although it includes our feelings. Love is more than about strength, about movement to do things, although it includes that. Because the love that God commands for us to do is to love perfectly for one another. We as God's people and we as just human beings, we, we understand this. We want love that is unconditional, love that is pure, love that is understanding of who we are, love that never fades. Some of us find this in our pets, perhaps our dogs or our cats. Well, maybe not cats, right, but our dogs. And we see it when they run to us, you're like, this is unconditional love. My dog understands me. My dog with all his strength runs for me. My dog and his eyes and his heartbeat erases, he feels for me. But you and I know that what a dog can give is a fraction of what our hearts really desire. And then we have us as men and women and the love that we seek. And as we get older and older in our time here on earth, we start to understand that, yes, we love one another, but that there's no one who will ever understand me perfectly. And so I have two choices. One is simply to look in the world and say, I guess this is all there is. I guess this relationship is all there is. And you can go down that rabbit hole and you can, you can try to sort of control yourself. The second thing you can do is to realize that there is a transcendent, eternal love and to seek after it. Most of you do it unconsciously. You know, you know how I know that? 
because K-dramas are really big. Because music about love is really big. Literature about perfect love is really big. Or you can go to God himself, who is love, and to enjoy his presence. Second thing is that following God truly is all about love. There is nothing else beyond that that the law itself cannot be brought under. All the laws that we have, the Ten Commandments, brothers and sisters, even all the 613 laws in the Pentateuch itself, the purpose of those laws is so that you know how to love. You know how to love well. You know how to love God well. You know how to love one another well. And what is beautiful about the Ten Commandments and even all the laws is that these laws are perfect. And if we follow them, we are actually loving one another. Think of it. If God says, do not murder, I think that's loving someone. God says, do not covet what someone else has. I think that's loving someone else. Do not steal. That's loving someone. Okay, how do we love God? Okay, we do not make a graven image and worship that image. Well, that's right, because God is is a spirit who needs to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. God says, keep the Sabbath day holy. Why? So we can remember him. That's loving God. All of these commandments, the purpose is for us to know how to love. Children, when your parents say to you, do your homework, do they do that because they don't like you? When your parents say, brush your teeth before you go to sleep, does that mean they don't like you? When they say, eat your vegetables, especially the broccoli, does that mean that your parents don't like you? Your parents say these things because they love you. They want you to learn about the wonderful things of God. They want you to eat, to be healthy, and use all your strength to worship God. They want you to have good teeth so that, well, you can eat well. and become strong again for God. But all of these, without love, again, goes nowhere. To love God, to follow God, His commandments and love go together. Thirdly, I, hint, I said this before, to love God and to love neighbor is the same thing. It's just one coin. One side says love God, 
The other side says, love your neighbor. You cannot love God without loving your neighbor, and neither can you love your neighbor without loving God. If you get confused about this, just read of all 1 John, where it says that if you do not love your brother, you do not love your neighbor, the love of God is not in you. In order for us to, to grow in our understanding of who he is and to, and to fulfill the law itself, we must die to ourselves to love each other with the love of God. This is what God himself commands. Now, all this at, the, at this point, the God of Jesus and the scribe, they're... they're, they're um, Oh, jiving is not the right word, but they're, they're, they're in sync with one another. They're in sync with one another. And the scribe even asks that love is more important than, all, than making sacrifices. Like, yeah, that's right. It's loving one another. And then Jesus says unto him, Jesus says unto him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You're close, but you're not far. Now, this is interesting in this conversation. Why doesn't Jesus just say, all right, now that you understand it, let me tell you the gospel. Let me tell you how to be saved. Let me tell you who I am. Let me lay all my cards out on the table. He does that for the rich young man before, right? He says to them, you are close to the kingdom of God. You just lack one thing. You're close. In many ways, right, being close is not the same thing as being in. And this tension allows the reader, you and I, to look at ourselves and ask the question, am I in? Or am I just close? You know, I always think about those redemption games at like uh, um, David Buster's and, and, main, and the main event. And when I was growing up, I used to go to the, uh, the shore in New Jersey. And I always went to the redemption games. And my favorite was the coin pushing one. I think because I was, I was a masochist or something. Because like, you know, you put the quarter in, it goes down, and it pushes, and it falls one level. And it pushes, and it's like, you see the cores are about to fall, and none of them fall. And you're like, it's close. It's near. But I got nothing. But it makes you want to question, or me, spend more money. What is it then, oh Lord? How is it then? that we must be saved. Why does he say to him, you are close, but you are not in? I want you to think about this. There is the thing about the law and the thing about love is that there is no one here who can love perfectly. Follow the laws of God perfectly. 
And what he's saying to the scribe, he's saying to us, it's like, you are right. This is the greatest commandment. This is the way to salvation. But here's the problem. No one can fulfill it. In Romans, it says this, for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it's those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Not one of us can follow the law of love perfectly. And in fact, Romans goes on to say that you don't even have to know the Torah. You yourself are a law unto yourself in many ways. The world today says that what I want people to do or to be is just to be kind. You ask parents and uh, in, in the world, you ask them, them, what do you want your kids to be? And they'll, they'll say to you, I just want my children to be kind, to grow up, to be kind. But we all know that whatever law that we have in our hearts, we are our own judge. We are our own measure. We fail. Before the Lord, if we said to him, listen, I've, I'm a law unto myself. I never knew the gospel. But the law unto myself, the nature that I have is to be kind. Well, God will simply say to you, were you kind all the time? And we all fail. Whether it is some of us who have the Torah and the law of God, or for some of us who have not yet heard of the gospel and the good news, we all know that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The purpose of the law, the purpose of this conversation is for you to think and look deeply at the law of God, to look deeply in your heart and to ask yourself the question, have I really loved? Have I really obeyed the Lord? We know that Martin Luther, the, the great reformer, his conscience was, I can't even say it was pricked, his conscience was beaten down by the Spirit. He would repent 24-7 because he saw in his heart sin all of the time. He was awakened by the Spirit, by the law, that he could not keep it, that he could not love God and love his neighbor. And he asked himself, and the way we ask ourselves, how can we be saved? How can we enter into this beautiful covenant and relationship with the Lord? Now, our author, Mark, gives us a hint. Well, not a hint. He gives us the answer. All the way back in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, when Jesus says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, Repent and believe in the gospel. Mark sets it up. The answer is repent and believe in the gospel. Shows us all these stories that we'll see at the end, the bookend. It's all, it's all about fulfillment of the gospel and the power of the gospel in Christ's death and resurrection. 
you, my brothers and sisters. Don't go away from this time thinking, touchy-feely, oh, I just need to love more. But instead say, how immense the love of Jesus really is for me, for all of us. That's enabled me to love him and to love one another. Praise be to our God who has done every good thing for you and I. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Bible, the Word. And we thank you, Lord, there are so many stories of encounters like this between you and your people. We thank you that you have not hidden yourself from us, but you've revealed yourself to us. And we thank you, thank you Lord, how wisely you do so, Lord God. Father, each one of us in this room are in a journey to know you. And you know each and every one of us and by your spirit and through your word, you are teaching us. Give us ears to hear. Give us minds to think deeply. And give us hearts of desire to, to know you. And we pray, Lord God, that we as a church, as a whole, would do the same. May your gospel and the truth of the forgiveness of sins, the truth of the new covenant, and the joy of being God's people be foremost on our minds. We thank you and we praise you. In Christ's name we ask. Amen.